that the silver screen reflects so vociferously back in your direction that is Cinefamily here on Fairfax Avenue in the tennis shoe district of Hollywood, ladies and gentlemen, where t-shirts and baseball caps are dealt like they are gold from the wizened fucking merchants that line the streets of Fairfax Avenue. Every other, <laughs> every other merchant, a kosher merchant, but some dealing in nothing but the sale of tennis shoes to those who are 30 and below. Exciting to be here once again, and this is the Christmas Proopcast. Thank you very much for coming out if you're listening out there in Proopcast land. Welcome and willkommen uh, to uh, mein Tannenbaum. I don't know what that means. Um, I think it means Christmas tree. And uh, you know what? There's a war on Christmas sometimes, but I'm not waging that war. I think Christmas is awesome. And the movie we're in a show tonight is uh, the 1970 musical classic starring Albert Finney, Alec Guinness, uh, Dame Edith Evans, and so many others. It's called Scrooge. And it's, uh, yeah. Just to clear up a couple of misconceptions, I've had innumerable people or numerous people uh, say to me, uh, is it Scrooged? No, it's one consonant short of Scrooge. It's uh, one D uh, lacking. It's Scrooge. It's the musical from 1970. And uh, I think the crowd here knows uh, from whence I speak. I saw it when I was like, all right, <clears throat> 10 years old. No, nine. Let me push myself back a little bit. I was but a bleary-eyed puppy laying on the floor, unable to open my eyes when this movie came out. Um, I have no recollection of this movie, nor do I have any movie before 1980. However, I'm informed by older people than I. Uh, I went to see this movie when I was a kid uh, with my friend Thomas March, and his mother was an insane Scottish lady named Candy March, uh, who talked like this. How I took the way and see the movies! And uh, she took us to see Scrooge, and she dumped us at Scrooge awesomely. And in those days, I think candy bars were like 50 cents or whatnot, and we would go to Nestle's Crunch and a Coke. Which is exactly, uh, I don't know if you saw that movie a couple years ago, Winter's Bone, um, where people, thank you, maybe the movie Spun will ring a few bells with this crowd. If you eat a Nestle's Crunch and drink a 32-ounce Coke, it's exactly the same. I had to find my father's body in a lake, and yeah, no, a lot of shit happened. All right, at the movies that time in San Carlos, California, in 1970, when Candy March dropped us off, wearing, by the way, a green dashiki. Yeah, she did. Yeah, she did, with overly tan chest and a fucking giant turquoise uh, uh, settee. You know what I'm saying? Like, Candy March fucking had a fringe of bangs going on and a green dashiki. So. We would receive a dollar fifty, I think, or two dollars each, 
and we would spend it. I think it was 75 cents. They raised it, as I recall, and I may have uh, glanced on this at a previous proof cast. If I have, indulge an old man. It's my last years. This is the September of our... This is Scrooge tonight. Redemption is what this show's all about. As you know, Scrooge is the most guilt-ridden, fantastically, yes... That's why we love it. Because you cry a thousand times when you think about all the shit you've pulled. That's what the movie Scrooge is about. That's what the movie Charles Dickens is about. That's what the movie that Charles Dickens wrote is about. All of these things that Charles Dickens, the author and movie maker, wrote about are Scrooge and A Christmas Carol. And it's about going, you go, when I was little, I was kind of a dick to one of my siblings for like a lot and this movie when you see the sister go oh you can come home now dad's ever so nice or whatever and you're like no okay I know how it feels globe open partially kitten McTavish Merry Christmas oh kittens get up kittens get up and celebrate Hanukkah Hanukkah. Is it over, Hanukkah? Two people went no, and seven people went yes. This guy, she used to be Jewish. She would know, someone said in the audience. I love LA because people used to be Jewish. I used to be a dick. No. It carried on. Um, whatever holiday you're celebrating, uh, whether it's Kwanzaa or, or any holiday, even made-up ones, I love holidays. Um, St. Swiven's Day. Um, sometimes people celebrate just the fact that the sun came up again. The Mayans, uh, two days from this podcast, but surely never when it drops. And this will be moot at the point when people are listening, as so many things I say are. I find that with podcasting, I thought it would be immediate beyond all measure, like a radio show. But in essence, it's 1928, and we're recording something, and it's being released weeks later to a select group of people in Norfolk who are, exactly, who have wireless sets, who've put them together on their own. Uh, and... Uh, uh, that I, I'm, I'm not, I'm not just not salient. I'm, I'm uh, antique uh, and available to be sold on PBS on the weekend over an entire Sunday marathon. So sometimes the news I spread is colloquial, but remember when kings are dead, it is for us to go huzzah months after the fact, right? I'll say, Greg. Thank you, kittens. I knew you had my back. Um, Scrooge, yeah, right? It's in 19th, uh, 18th century, 19th century uh, colloquialism. People said screw when they meant someone super tight. And uh, I think that's where Dickens uh, gleaned it from. Also, uh, the whole bah humbug thing. Humbug was an important, you know, that meant you were just being a fucking, you know, fake ass, you know, dickery, charlatanery. And uh, mount a bankery, if you will. And I think you will. And... Uh, and, and I think that's an important part of the picture. Um, we have a letter here uh, written. Uh, we, if you want to write us, by the way, it's, uh, if you want to ask us a question, which we're not answering tonight, by the way, in any measure, even though it's Christmas, your, your wish shall not be granted. 
It's a very special Greg Proops Christmas. I'm all alone in the world. Sure me. No one wants to be a dentist. Smartest at a special thing.com. But if you want to talk to me personally, poisonally, fan mail uh, for Greg at gmail.com. And I do answer those each day, although it takes hours off my life and calluses grow on the ends of my fingers. And I find that at the end, like David Foster Wallace or Alan Moore, I have no more ends of my fingers. I, I, I simply lay there with buddy stumps uh, looking at what used to be a, a, a useful and purposeful life. And now is one devoted utterly to proof casting. Um, uh, dear master of all things Prooptacular, Harry Warren, th- this was because I raised the issue that all great Christmas carols in this country have been written by people of the Hebrew persuasion. Irving Berlin having written White Christmas being my prima facie evidence. I, however, erroneously attributed Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas to Harry Warren, who one, I said, wrote the song, and two, was Jewish. He is neither, nor did he write the song. This is a letter addressing those concerns. And I beg your indulgence. I thank you. My name is Bob Hope. Later on the show, we got Lonnie Anderson coming up and uh, the Los Angeles Rams cheerleaders. I tell you something. Christmas is never silver bells. Silver bells. It's Christmas time in the... Wow. Harry Warren was not a Jew, as he is commonly mistaken to have been. I don't know that it's common. I know that I mistook him for a Jew, and I know that this woman who's replying, who uh, addressed me as Dear Master of All Things Proptacular, um, uh, her name is Lynn Kier... Kurosaro? Really? C-U-R-S-A-R-O. Kurosaro? Kurosaro. Lynn Kurosaro. All right, thanks. Hey, thanks, you guys. No, no, just lay there and shit. No, the movie will be on soon, for reals. Listen, for those of you who are listening in Proopcast land who aren't here tonight and think, fuck, you're here... This is on YouTube. Write Albert Finney or Scrooge or whatever, 1970 musical, and one comes up that says AVI, best version ever, and that is the entire movie, and it's crystal clear DVD version uh, on YouTube, and you can watch the whole thing. Not that I watched it today or anything, but um, it's there and it's available, and that's what you should queue up right now when we're getting ready for this. Um, This crowd's checked out here, so it's just you and me, you guys. It's astounding. Time is fleeting. Madness takes its toll. But listen closely. Not for very much longer. I've got to. He also did not write Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, which was written by Hugh Martin and Huge... Huge Blaine? Are you out of your mind? Whoever wrote this misspelled this wildly. I think it's rich or something. Uh, Also Gentiles of some variety. We don't know whether they were bohunks representing Scandinavia. My ancestors originally came from Norway, but I don't exactly know. Or they were white people from the... I'm Scottish-Irish, I am. I'll have a drink and fight you if you can. Who the fuck are you looking at, mate? My accent's weak and underdeveloped. 
Gentiles of some variety. My name is Pierre. I suppose I qualify. Thank you for indulging me. I still think your theory about Jews holds, though. Comma, though. My theory about Jews, by the way, isn't some sort of fucking Third Reichian... That's a terrible way to put it. I don't have a theory about Jews. Who's zooming who, bitch? Kittens, please. Uh, other than they've excelled in every area over countless millennia and aren't venerated enough. My theory about Jews was simply in so much as American songbook songwriters uh, being Irving Berlin and whatnot. All right. I based it all on one fucking Jew. It's a shitty theory, okay? Mel Torme is not Jewish. He wrote a Christmas song. Hugh, whatever the fuck, wrote Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas. I'm, I'm in an island here. You know what? This is Columbus, the fourth voyage. And you have mutinied on the Admiral. And I'm not having it. I've burned my eyesight out looking across the horizon doing dead reckoning for fucking four voyages for you Spanish motherfuckers. I'm from Genoa, okay? And we do things a little bit differently where I'm from. If I could ask for a little bit of leeway here at Christmas time, a little bit of fucking panettone from you motherfuckers, instead I get harsh brick-like Christmas cake that I cannot eat nor does it soften when I dunk it. <laughs> I'll continue. As you may know, Warren plied his trade at the Gritty Warner's lot. Ooh, the Gritty Warner's lot. Because they made gangster films, and there's so many Humphrey Bogart and Betty Davis movies from the Warner's lot in the 30s, it was gritty on the lot. When you went for lunch, they went, what'll it be, Jack? <laughs> Adam and Eve on a raft. American 50 with no name tag. Uh, meet me in St. Louis, which gave us Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas, was every in MGM. I think she meant to say inch. Every inch MGM, which it was. Uh, thanks for giving the Castro Theater my second home a shout out. Word up to the people in San Francisco. Now, we're here at the Cine Family in Los Angeles, which is around the corner from the New Beverly. And the New Beverly and the Cine Family are keeping it live in Los Angeles. And the Castro Theater is as well in San Francisco. What I'm talking about is uh, people coming together and watching pictures uh, all in one room, eating candy and shit like that, which is the way movies were meant to be seen. It's fun to watch them at home, and I do it every night. Heaven knows. Um, ask my counselor. Um, Mr. Ireland uh, he'll say to you Greg is often found at home uh, I'm, I find that his marijuana use is a bit alarming his advanced age doesn't precipitate things like this I'm finding a, a Thomas Wolfe kind of abyss that he's staring into in any case uh, uh, best wishes, best knishes, it actually says. Best knishes, that's funny. 
uh, Lynn Cusaro. Thank you. Uh, Harry Warren was born. Salvatore Antonio G-U-A-R-A-G-N-A. Guarana? Yeah. Uh, one of 11 children. Well done. Of Italian immigrants. Antonio, a bootmaker, and Rachel DeLuca Guarana, and grew up in Brooklyn, New York. His father changed family name to Warren when Harry was a child. He began to play the drums professionally at age 14 and dropped out of high school at 16 to play with his godfather's band in a traveling carnival. Um, I don't know what your life was like, but Harry Garana's life was fucking more exciting than yours. Um, he le- yeah, he was a teenage itinerant musician who joined a traveling carnival from his god... Go with him. And go... I'm not, I don't speak Sicilian or whatever. Mr. Balaisipito Pocotoso, Harry. Mama, I promise I'll give you some daddy. Go with your godfather in your traveling carnival, and may God be with you. Soon he taught soon. I love biographies. Soon. This is 12 months of your life, by the way. If you're living your life, this is the year that you went, fuck, I never ate right. (laughs) But in a biography, soon. (laughs) He taught himself to play piano. Remember when you taught yourself to play piano, how easy that was? (laughs) Fuck. You know, the other morning, I was like, darling, I can't speak French. And my wife went, "Uh, pourquoi? And I went, oh, I had taught myself to speak French in that moment. (laughs) Harry Warren taught himself to play piano. When? Soon. (laughs) And by 1915, he was working at the Vitagraph Motion Picture. He wrote 800 songs. Here's a couple that Harry Warren wrote. Lullaby of Broadway. Come on along and listen to... The lullaby of Broadway, the hippery and ballyhoo, the lullaby of Broadway. Uh, that, that's a guinea. Uh, you'll never know. On the Atchison, Topeka, and Santa Fe, the gayest song ever. Um, next to the one that the guy who wrote Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas wrote. His name was Hugh Martin, and he wrote it with his partner, who here is described as Huge Blaine. He was best known for the score of the 1944 MGM musical Meet Me in St. Louis, in which Judy Garland sang three Martin songs, The Boy Next Door, The Trolley Song. Now that's the gayest song of all time. As you know, I'm not gay and I make no case for it, but the song goes, clang, clang, clang with the trolley, ding, ding, ding with the bell. And um, he ended up accompanying Judy Garland, and that's what makes him awesome. Uh, he was her accompanist at many of her concert performances in the 50s, including her appearance at the Palace Theater. Uh, and that's what makes Hugh Martin so awesome. This movie tonight was directed by Ronald Neem, who also directed uh, many other movies called The Horse's Mouth, The Poseidon Adventure, ladies and gentlemen. Yes. Ronald Neem has a long and August career, which we're going to touch on ever so briefly. Prudence of the Pill, Gambit. The Michael Caine movie with uh, Shirley MacLaine. Uh, the Prime of Miss Jean Brody. Yeah, with Maggie Smith. Uh, Ronald Neem lived to be 99 years old and died like two fucking years ago. So enough respect can't be given to uh, tonight's version of Scrooge. Um, 
The movie Oliver had come out a couple years before, directed by Carol Reed, 68, I guess. And Scrooge is uh, 70. I went to see it, as I say, uh, Candy March took me. And uh, I I think you'll find the songs uh, lively, uh, many indifferent. I think you'll find the acting uh, over what you expect it to be. I think you'll find uh, that this movie is delightful in a way that's sentimental, and yet at the same time uh, gritty in a late 60s, early 70s way that so many of the pictures from then uh, depict. Uh, a la, you know, uh, motorcycles and blah, blah, blah. In any case, um, I'd like to present to you tonight a movie that Alec Guinness got a hernia making and hated more than any other movie in his long and August career. Uh, he is Jacob Marley in this movie, and you'll find him most saucy. Ladies and gentlemen, cue it up right now on YouTube. I give you the 1970 musical classic, Music by Leslie Percuse, directed by Ronald Neem, the movie Scrooge. Um, uh, what a marvelous Christmas picture and uh, Albert Finney wow uh, a force of nature 34 years old when he did that part his nephew um, is 46 (laughs) when they made the picture he's wildly younger than his nephew who he goes to visit at the end Um, I really think it's a, a, a joyous picture and here's why for so many reasons one obviously it's hard to beat Dickens down Uh, And secondly, they give Scrooge a huge victory lap at the end. It's the longest of all the Christmas Carol stories. Usually it's one crappy scene where he goes, Cratchit, come in here. And then Cratchit comes in, he goes, I'm doubling your salary. And Cratchit goes, what the fuck? And that's it. In this one, there's a 20-minute musical sequence where he buys a Santa Claus outfit and then comes out and goes... A Father Christmas. And the whole crowd goes, oh, fuck yeah, we remember that song from earlier in the movie. <laughs> Actually, it's a medley of awesome songs about how great he's going to be. Um, taking the song about when he was dead, thank you very much, and turning it into the giant valedictorian number showstopper, high-kicking, fucking... Cockney people have to do this a lot in movies in the 60s. Uh, fucking yeah um, From My Fair Lady onward Cockneys have to fucking dance when they're poor And the spirit moves them uh, And this is the greatest of all uh, The giant Cockney numbers at the end And then he gets a moment alone where he's coming down the street Fucking by himself going I'm still singing the fucking songs from this show uh, It's really really uh, A lot of joy And fantastic uh, Christmas spirit at the end And then at, at the very last frame With uh, Jacob Marley's um, wearing the Santa Claus hat and beard and it says Merry Christmas at the end. Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> fuck yeah. Um, Dickens had quite a lot to say, didn't he? Um, I think that's the thing about all, all of these movies and particularly, well, you know, there's a thousand versions of A Christmas Carol. There's an opera. There's many musicals. Uh, there's a zillion versions. Reginald Owen, the Alistair Sim. There's a George C. Scott. There's a, a Captain Picard. Uh, Christmas Carol, thank you. From a few years ago, there's a Kelsey fucking Grammar Christmas Carol. Oh yeah, there is. Oh yeah, there is. Because Dickens is durable, and you can't kill it. You can have Kelsey Grammar do it and still not fucking kill it. That's how awesome uh, Dickens is. What? What strikes me about uh, uh, the plot always? 
is that it's exactly like now. And that uh, Ebenezer Scrooge could have been Mitt Romney or anyone running for president. Uh, am I wrong or am I wrong? Are the prisons not still open? Are the workhouses not still in order? If they are going to die, I suggest they do and decrease the surplus population at one of our death panels. Um, the attitude of the rich has never diminished in any way when he's counting money at all the times. And that's what's different about this one than all the other versions of Scrooge you'll see is that his dirty, grubby, money-grubbing fingers counting fucking coins all the time. And when the, the girlfriend comes to break up with him, who's somehow Fezziwig's daughter in this version, which isn't really in the book, but fuck it. It makes a great musical. Um, all of a sudden, the South Pacific and shit, they, every, they, we've stopped short of having, like, yeah, coconuts and whatnot. Uh, uh, she puts the ring in the, in, in the scale, and then the, the money goes in the other side of the scale, and all the money's worth more than her love and shit. Uh, uh, yeah, there's a lot of deep, uh, resonant... Uh, also, they, uh, uh, my favorite one's the Altair Sim one, uh, of all the uh, non-musical uh, ones, the Altair Sim one. But the Alistair Sims one doesn't have the line, any fool who goes around with Merry Christmas on his lips should be buried in his own pudding with a sprig of holly, what was it, a steak of holly through his heart. Uh, strangely, that one doesn't have it, but this one does awesomely. Um, also, Albert Finney is so young when he does this part. At the end of the movie, he goes like that. And you're like, are you 70 or what? Uh, it's sort of like John Wayne in The Shootist when he jumps over the bank counter at the end. Thank you. One other person knows what I'm talking about. John Wayne was a movie star. Never mind. I don't have time the whole fucking night. I seriously don't have time. Some of the rhymes uh, at the very end when they're singing thank you very much and Scrooge goes, I think that now life will be fun for me. And uh, yeah, it's really... Uh, the, uh, the most obvious rhyme is often the goodest rhyme. And Leslie Bercuse wrote the screenplay and all the music and the lyrics without Anthony Newley on this one. Um, Willy Wonka is... Same year? Year after? Anybody? Year after. Year after. And I think Tony Newley came back for, uh, 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 for that one and wrote the lyrics to Candyman and all that shit. But this is uh, right at the end of the Glory Days of Musicals. Um, you know, from the 30s to the mm, late 60s, and this one's, what, 70? Uh, Oliver's like 68, and then there's Willy, Willy Wonka's kind of a musical, right? There's lots of songs in it and everything. Uh, it, it's a full-on musical. Um, and, and then we stopped doing that. And then we, now we do the post-ironic, post-modern ones where uh, it's Les Mis or, 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 or uh, what's the one with Nicole Kidman and Ewan McGregor where they can't sing at all. And, uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah, Moulin Rouge, right? That, yeah. Uh, but this is when you unabashedly fucking went... In the middle of a fucking... Like, I'm having a thought and then all of a sudden I'm sad. Like, f fucking Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, the song at the end when he wakes up there's a song when he wakes up fucking that's balls man I'm stopping the plot to sing again and he can't sing at all and that's what makes this movie awesome it's full on the sincerity and the bravado that every moment uh, is provided Kenneth Moore as the ghost of Christmas present uh, yeah uh, when he goes um, come come toward me you weird little man that's not in Dickens I have Dickens right here. Weird Little Man is not in there. Uh, Dame Edith Evans is the ghost of Christmas past. And he goes, you don't look like a ghost. And she goes, thank you. <laughs> fucking A. I'm, I, I've been knighted. No, I'm not a fucking ghost. Fuck you. Uh, 
All the ghosts are so good. I really love how pagan the ghost of Christmas present is. He has nothing to do with Santa Claus or Jesus at all. He's carrying a torch, which in the book and in many versions you'll see, when he sprinkles on people, fucking illuminates them and shit. And he's also clearly Pan meets Dionysus or whatever. Uh, He's this full-on mead fucking cornucopia. There's a a groaning board of shit. In this version... He's actually roasting a goat or something. He's just pouring gravy on a goat at one point, and then they fly in the air and shit. It has so little to do with Christianity. It's awesome. And he goes, well, how many have there been? And he goes, 1860. First of all, it's not 1860. It's 1843. That's when he wrote the book. He wrote it, and it came out uh, right before Christmas, like December 19th of 1843 and it sold 5,000 copies before Christmas and then it was a huge smash he didn't make any money off it he did a shitty deal and he had them redo the fucking cover and every other goddamn thing but of course it's eternal and uh, I think not his favorite I think his favorite novel was um, uh, David Copperfield of Dickens that he wrote but uh, he loved Christmas Carol and uh, the things he has to say about the poor um, there's homeless people all through the movie. There's people who are working for slave wages for horrible um, fiduciary, greedy, grasping, icky, fucking corporate assholes. And um, they win in the end, uh, ever so briefly. I almost, uh, in my cynical heart, when he started dancing and he went, uh, I'm going to double your pay, I thought, that's the only unrealistic part of the movie. <laughs> HSBC is not going to double your pay at any point, nor is Bank of America. But it's a wonderful thought, and that's what the point is. And I'm sorry I shot on it just now. Um, There's some marvelous lines in the book that are uh, irreplaceable. Uh, If you've never read it, it's only 90 pages long, and it's well worth a read. Um, He's talking about Scrooge in the beginning, and he says, Oh, but he was a tight-fisted hand at the grindstone, a squeezing, wrenching, grasping, scraping, clutching, covetous old sinner. Uh, hard as sharp as flint from which no steel had ever struck out a generous fire uh, and this is the part I like um, Marley's face when he meets Marley it was not an impenetrable shadow as the others in the yard were but has a dismal light about it like a bad lobster in a dark cellar <laughs> A bad lobster in a dark cellar. (laughs) Fucking Dickens, you are hilarious. You are really hilarious. Uh, What was this one? Oh, yeah, that one's at the end. Um, There's another one. Let me see if I can find it. Uh, Where where Bob Crotch's family's cooking dinner, and he goes into an epic description of their dinner. Oh, cock. Something about the potatoes knocking at the pot and whatnot. Oh, when they get to the party at... At the very end, when Scrooge uh, changes over, Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not, in capital fucking bold face letters, who did not die. He was a second father. He became a good friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the good old city knew, or any other good old city, town or borough, and the good old world. Some people laughed to see the alteration in him, but he let them laugh. And he little heeded them, for he was wise enough to know that nothing ever happened on this globe for good, at which some people did not have their fill of laughter at the outset. And knowing that such as these would be blind anyway, he thought it quite as well that they should wrinkle up their eyes in grins as have the malady in less attractive forms. His own heart laughed, 
and that was quite enough for him. He had no further intercourse with spirits, but lived upon the total abstinence principle ever afterwards. And it was always said of him that he knew how to keep Christmas well. If any man alive possessed the knowledge, may that truly be said of us and all of us. And so, as Tiny Tim observed, God bless us, everyone. <laughs> Fucking A, man. Uh, does anyone want to talk at all or have any questions? And we'll, uh, then we'll push off into the Christmas night uh, and have some... I, I know there's been some eggnog handed out. It's a little bit of a World War II ration situation here. I think you know what's going on with the Senate family. Although Robert Downey has promised riches, yet has he to provide but a small scutcheons. And though he is rich beyond measure, none has he given to know. He, I'm sure he's been marvelous, and he, he will give lots. Uh, but I know that. Whoa, there we are. Who? Yes, sir. Hi. Uh, what do you think of the Muppet Christmas Carol? I love the Muppet Christmas Carol. And I think Michael Caine had the time of his life doing the Muppet Christmas Carol. I've watched all of them because I'm fucking sick with it. I've watched every Moby Dick, and I've watched every Christmas Carol, okay? Um, because evidently I have a great deal more time on my hands than you do. <laughs> I think you'll find that Gonzo in The Muppet Christmas Carol is as moving as any other character that you'll ever find in Dickens. And that had Charles Dickens had the time, he would have said, and though this small bird-like creature, though of indeterminate species, <laughs> it was found that he, above all, kept Christmas in his heart, even though he was clearly not Christian in any way, for he was of indeterminate phylum. Neither man nor woman, neither beast nor fowl. And yet, he was the one who went, God, this is the best Christmas ever. <laughs> Fucking love Muppets Christmas Carol. And I'll go further. I love Muppets Treasure Island. <laughs> I watched the Muppets take Manhattan. If there's going to be animal... I'm, I'm fucking going to be there. I'm older than you, and I'm sadder than you. And that's where that fucking comes from. Thank you for your question. You are dismissed. Yes? Uh, what about uh, Richard Nixon Christmas? I mean, uh, not, sorry. Hey, Dream, is uh, that you? Rich Little Christmas Carol. I haven't seen the Rich Little Christmas Carol because I had to save some room at the end of my life for fucking thoughts. <laughs> I didn't want to Robbo, you're the best technician ever Thank you Yes, the mic yeah, Always make sure the connection's attached on the mic Otherwise, it'll fade out during the pod Fortunately, this podcast is free, Robbo So, although this one we may charge for Because it's a very special Christmas one You never left Hate Street in my heart. <laughs> Please come to Boston in the springtime. Oh, you're going to change mics out? Nope. <laughs> Robbo's adding, adding a special Freakosaurus uncomfortable part to this Christmas that's making it more special for me than anything ever could. Um, I've never seen the rich little one. He's Scrooge, I presume. He's, oh, he plays all the characters? Well, of course he does. You know why? Because he's an impressionist. And they can do anything. I'm both Cratchit and Scrooge and whatnot. When I'm Scrooge, I pull my glasses down. Oh, the workhouse is not in order. When I'm Cratchit, I go, oh, I hope it's not convenient. Well, it isn't convenient. That's how I switch characters. I, however, I always wear the reindeer ears. They're not ears, they're antlers. Hey, don't fucking get technical on me, Ted Nugent. 
Don't hunt me. It's the holiday season. For reals. Any more questions? Because we can... I'm happy to... Look, there's a person there. Oh, of course. You. What's your name, sir? My name's Tom. Hi, Tom. Yes, he did. What great expectations and uh, and Twist yeah, in the forties, yeah. And toward the end, uh, I, Ronald lived to be a thousand years old, and uh, but this is a, uh, it is his only musical. You know what? I don't think it's that bad a job. I mean, you know, he's not Vincent Minnelli or something. I mean, if it had been Vincent Minnelli Scrooge, that would be a different matter entirely. Or I can think of a few directors who could have. Uh, uh, um, who, who who did uh, 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 America? I mean, uh, all those Gene Kelly pictures. Um, he's still alive. No. Yeah, Stanley, Stanley Donen. He, he might not have been a terrible call for this. And you know who might not also have been a terrible call? Richard Lester. Remember Richard Lester who did Help and Hard Day's Night and all that? He could have beat this one up a little bit. Then there would have been a little more of that fucking wry Cockney humor and shit in it in every scene. Um, but I don't think Ronald Neem uh, 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 hashed it at all. I think it's a really cute – I notice and I can tell because of the guys, uh, your guys' reaction to this movie. Uh, I, I know that people in vodcast land are crying and reaching for uh, handkerchiefs as I was. And uh, eating, overeating cookies throughout the whole movie as I was. Um, but I could tell during certain parts of the movie when you guys go, <laughs> that it had got you. And uh, I love to see pictures from 34 years ago where um, the special effects consist of a dude in a cloak. <laughs> and when he, when he like, Where, where's my future and shit? And the dude in the cloak just goes like that. And you're still like, oh, fuck. You didn't need anything CGI'd. You didn't need anything sent to Lucasfilm or whatever. You didn't need Harry Potter to fucking fly off a pumpkin or whatnot. It all, it all still happened anyway, even though there was a dude in a cloak, and that's what cinema's all about. Parts of it were like a silent film when Albert Finney descends into hell, which, by the way, try to find that in the fucking book. Uh, when he descends into hell and it's like a Guy Madden movie meets a fucking... Thank you. Meets, a, meets like a, a sub-Dario Argento kind of fucking horror movie. That part was freaky, I thought. And Alec Guinness. Uh, what movie is Alec Guinness in? He's not even in this movie. He's in, a, he's in a horror film from the late 70s. He's in another, he's in like a Hammer film or something. How, his entrance when he walks in and he goes, mm. And then at the end he goes, Merry Christmas. What the fuck? What gay fucking... And he's wearing a, a thing around his head like he has a toothache the whole time and shit. No Marley in any of the movies has ever acted like that. And I love Alec Guinness for... Basically, I said to my wife when he got, came on screen, he's trying to steal this movie. He's got like three scenes and he's trying to fucking steal it. Remember when Scrooge comes back and he's like, what the fuck was that? And then Marley's still there and goes, whoa. And you're like, what the fuck? I thought you were gone, Alec Guinness. No, I'm not gone. I won an Oscar for Bridge on the River Kwai. And I'm going to be here as long as required. It takes more than a fucking few ghosts to scare me off. When, when did hell get into the plot? I love it. Mm. It kind of turned into Willy Wonka at that point. All it was missing was uh, Violet going, what is this, some kind of a freak out? <laughs> One more and then we'll fuck off. I, I love that there's um, scaffolding 
in the Sinem family tonight. If I can describe the scene to you, ladies and gentlemen, who are listening out in podcast land and, and hoping for a blessed cease of this show. Um, it's a movie theater, but about a quarter of the way back in the house uh, in a regular old movie theater from, I'd say, the 20s, although, it, what does it hold? A couple hundred here, maybe? Um, there's pictures of old movie stars all over the wall, Chaplin and whatnot, Garbo. And then about halfway back, um, the Pink Floyd wall lighting rig is up. <laughs> and Roger Waters is on my dick. And... Uh, piece by piece a wall is being built in front of me until at the end of the podcast one last brick goes but it has a pine cone on it to emblemize Christmas and then I say Merry Christmas like Alec Guinness and then we all fuck off in a weird gay ghostly homeless person world uh, if I, that's what it looks like in here uh, one more question and then we'll blow unless there's no more questions in which case we'll blow oh there you are in the middle my name is Hello, Andrew. Do no women ever want to speak to me? Is that what the problem is? Have I turned into Steely Dan? Am I that repulsive as a performer that no woman wishes to speak to me anymore? Because women used to talk to me and go, hi, Greg, and whatnot. And now it's like, my name's Dude. And I have a question about shit that I thought of. But I never really hear, hi, I'm Agnetha. First of all, no one's named Agnetha, except for the other woman in ABBA. But if you were... All right, go on, Andrew. No, 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 no. I deal with people with X and Y chromosomes. I've got them myself. So you touched a little. Want to expound on Alec Guinness's sports injury that he acquired? Well, my understanding is when he was flown in all those scenes. And first of all, you remember the number. Alec Guinness goes, "I look around you. I see that the things you see astound you." Uh, that was an entire giant number that got cut from the movie. And while they were flying him in that movie, he was uh, he incurred a, a hernia. And so he disliked this movie intensely. Not as intensely as he disliked Star Wars, which made him an unbelievably wealthy person for the rest of his life. But he felt it was a millstone around his neck because he had done hundreds of pictures, including a Ronald Neen picture from the 40s called Tunes of Glory with him and John Mills, where he plays a Scottish commander at, at, a, at a provincial army base. And he's unbelievably good. And he also did The Horse's Mouth with him, which is... Um, Joyce Carey? I'm getting who, who's wrong who wrote it. But in any case, uh, Alec Guinness did several pictures with Ronald Neen um Golly, uh, I, I think he hated this one most of all, which makes it the most special Alec Guinness picture. <laughs> Apparently, little kids would come up to him and go, Obi-Wan, and he'd go, There was only one movie I made in a long career, now fuck straight off. <laughs> and, in conclusion, Merry Christmas. <laughs> this has been the smartest man in the world. Proopcast, the, uh, the Greg Proops Film Club. I thank you very much for coming out tonight. And I wish you nothing but happy holidays and that you may keep Christmas in your heart. My name is Ben Greg Proops. And every page you turn to a Sasha Payne.